Hello and welcome to the Feminine as Fuck podcast. I'm your host, Monica Yates, a period and women's life coach, where I help women to harness the power of their period and connect back to their true superpowers. In these episodes, we will be talking about all things periods, vaginas, hormones, women's health, sex, confidence, food, femininity, and all the stuff that goes through our heads. You will walk away from each episode with new nuggets and truth bombs, as I don't seem to have a filter and I love talking about all the shit that people are too afraid to say, but everyone is thinking. We are back. Once again, on my bed with a doona over my head. You may hear a neck breaking, but that's just my neck because this doona is so heavy. I'm going to have to do something about it. The recording studio needs some work, people. Um, All right, today we are going to talk about period problems. I thought this would be a really good sort of general overview on period issues to jump in with my podcast. I was like, do I do a period thing? Do I do a women's life coaching thing? And I was like, "Uh, let's just go with periods. I actually had to do a meditation to figure it out. And that was what brought me to the conclusion of, Monica, just too general just do general. It's amazing what your intuition can tell you and what can come up to you when you meditate. I absolutely love meditating. You guys sent through so many requests via my Instagram. Please continue to send them through. I've been overwhelmed in an amazing way with responses. I have a long list of ideas and hence I was overwhelmed and I was like, ah, what the fuck do I say? Let's talk about period issues. Generally, with all period stuff, it comes down to a couple of things and I'm going to go over them. But I firstly want you to know that period issues are not normal. They are common, but they are not normal. A normal period, a normal cycle is you will have slight changes in your mood, but not so much that you want to chop your boyfriend's head off. The only changes would be that you feel more energized in some weeks than others. You might be more analytical in the week before your period. You might feel sexier and more confident um, in your ovulation phase than in your luteal phase. And your luteal phase is the week before you get your get your period. Um, but there shouldn't be these massive ups and downs, these bad cramps, this insomnia, these headaches, this bloating, this fluid retention, all of those things plus more acne, anything like that, back pain, all of those things are a sign that your body is trying to tell you something ain't right. Like, can you have a fucking look at me, girlfriend? I'm trying to give you signs and you ain't listening. When your body is giving you symptoms, it is trying to tell you something. So, babe, I want you to listen to it. If you have any period issues, there is a reason for it. In my Turning Off Your Period Problems program, also called TOP for short, Uh, I actually give the girls a massive like list of like what issue, like what symptom equals the root cause. So let's say example, like um, you've got fluid retention that equals your body hasn't flushed out the estrogen from ovulation. So it's a very helpful list. So if you're in that program and you haven't already downloaded that list, you haven't looked at that extensively, please go back and look at that because that is really good. And if you're not in the program, um, it's all on my website, monikeyates.com.au. So I would recommend that you go check that out. Um, okay, so period problems. Firstly, I also, no, I've already said firstly. Secondly, I want to say is that there is not a fix from the pill. If you have a period issue and you go to your doctor and your doctor says, oh, the pill will fix it, it will not fucking fix shit. What it will do is put a nice little Band-Aid, even maybe with some Barbies or like, I don't know, Care Bears on it, 
It'll put a nice band-aid over the issue, but it's not going to fix the problem. And what will happen is 10 years down the track or five years down the track when you want to have babies or you want to come off the pill, right? You are going to have to deal with those problems and more often than not, they are so much worse because they've been masked. And in my view, deal with the shit now so that down the track when you want to have kids, you're ready to rock and roll. There's no two-year waiting period where you can't fall pregnant, where you're waiting for your period to come back, where you've got hormonal chaos Because also the pill is so depleting to your nutrient stores and to your body that you need to spend a lot of time building up those nutrient stores and building your body back up before you even have a healthy baby. You know, it's not fantastic when you come off the pill and if you are lucky lucky enough to get your cycle back straight away and then you fall pregnant straight away, oh boy, your body is so nutrient deficient. And of course, the longer you've been on the pill, the more nutrient deficient it is. So it's really important that you allow enough time when you come off the pill before you fall pregnant. That's a whole nother episode um, that I will go into about the impact on the pill and how you need to sort of work with um, your body and with nutrients and stuff when you come off it for optimal um, health and for for a healthy pregnancy. So we won't go into that right now, but the pill is a Band-Aid and you want to deal with that shit now because then it's done. Then it's done, right? Let's say example for acne. A lot of women go on the pill for acne because, and this is not, I'm not blaming no one, right? It's just lack of education, lack of awareness. And I'm here, I always say that I'm not here to tell somebody you have to do this. I'm not here to say the pill is bad. It's not fab, but if you make an informed decision where you've had all the options laid down on the table and you decide, nope, I'd like to go with the pill, great great because you've made an empowered choice but the problem is we go to the doctor because we trust them for health information and the only choice we're given is hormonal birth control to quote unquote fix our period problem babe it ain't gonna do shit okay so all I'm about is just giving um giving information so you ladies can make an informed decision and that's what this podcast is also about just sharing the love um okay so what was I gonna say uh yeah birth control is a band-aid. Let's say for acne, for example, what the pill is actually going to do is just pump your body full of more estrogen, but the fake estrogen, which is worse, and it's just going to suppress all your hormones. It flatlines them. It puts a pause on your cycle. So the pill, the the bleed that you get when you're on the pill is a pill bleed. It's a drug-induced bleed, and it is by no means normal. What actually happened was when they first made the pill, Women felt so weird not bleeding because when they first made the pill, you didn't bleed. And women felt so weird and they weren't comfortable with the fact they weren't bleeding and having a cycle. So they put the bleed in to make women feel normal and to make it okay to sell in the pharmacy and to be a prescription drug, right? They basically just tricked us. But that isn't a period. It is different. So when you are going through your quote unquote cycles on the pill and you think, oh yep, this has fixed my problem, this has fixed my hormonal problems, it hasn't fixed your hormonal problems, it's just gotten rid of your hormones and put fake ones in place so that you don't have to deal with the real issue. All right. So getting to the root cause is what I'm all about because then it's fixed and done for life. Let's say acne, for example. Acne, more often than not, is a result of a clogged liver, bad gut function, okay, excess estrogen, and inflammatory parts and inflammatory things in your body, 
okay? Inflammatory cytokines is what they're called, which is just chemical compounds, all right? And so you want to be making sure that you're looking at your diet, your liver function. What's your gut like? Because that's where the estrogen is metabolized. It needs to flush out. It needs to go through your gut and you need to shit that, sh- you need to shit that shit out, basically, Okay, and if you have too much estrogen where your body is just recycling it, okay, because it's not actually being excreted, so your body just keeps reabsorbing it, that is going to be causing the acne. And just putting a Band-Aid on that, well, that ain't going to help because then in years to come, you're going to have to deal with that. And it's more, it's actually generally worse when you come off the pill because what happens is when you're on the pill, um, the pill suppresses sebum production. So basically, my analogy is it's like putting a cork on a wine bottle, okay? But the but the wine bottle opening is your pore. So it's like putting a cork on every single one of your pores, right? So you stop getting pimples. Yeah, great. But the problem is inside your body, your body's like, what the fuck is happening? Why wouldn't it let me produce sebum? Why can't I excrete the sebum? Why can't I excrete the oils? So it starts ramping up the sebum production inside your body. These little dudes inside there are like spinning faster on their bicycles or whatever. You know, they're ramping up sebum production. They're like, oh my God, what the fuck's happening? Let's keep, let's keep pushing. Let's keep going. Right. That's all well and good. And then as soon as you take the pill away, as soon as you take that cork off the pore, it's like an explosion, right? Because your body is still ramping up sebum production. It doesn't just know, oh, cool, now we can slow down. It doesn't know that. So it keeps producing more and more and more because it's had to for so long because it's been so confused. So your acne actually gets worse when you come off the pill. Generally speaking, of course, there's some lucky ducks out there. Okay, so it's really, really important that you actually look at their root problem. So I'm going to keep this episode more on the general side of things and then I'll narrow it down in future episodes. But generally for all hormonal issues, so like acne, bloating, period pain, heavy bleeding, endometriosis, the list goes on fibroids, generally one of the biggest things is estrogen dominance. Now this can either be because you have um, a bad ratio of estrogen to progesterone, so you have too little progesterone and therefore you have estrogen dominance, or what's more likely the case is that you actually have too much estrogen relative to to even what the normal amount of estrogen is. So your estrogen's way higher than what it should be, and maybe your progesterone's normal, okay? Or you've got really high estrogen and really low progesterone. But all three of those cases, you still have an excess of estrogen compared to progesterone. And that is not good, okay? So we know from science that too much estrogen, we we need a normal amount of estrogen, right? Estrogen is good in the correct amount, much like cortisol, all right? You want a bit of cortisol, but you don't want too much. Same thing with estrogen, okay? But we know from the research that too much estrogen is what actually feeds cancer cells, okay? It it, it causes brain um, brain cancer, It causes breast cancer. It actually can cause endometriosis. It can worsen endometriosis, okay? It causes the, um, the, the uh, what the fuck? It's called, oh my God, I can't, mind like period pain. God, mind like, what an easy word to remember. It causes period pain because it has too much prostaglandins. It causes bad liver function, bad gut function. It causes the fluid retention and the bloating, okay? So too much estrogen is not your friend, especially because these days, because we're also fucking stressed, we all have really low levels of progesterone, generally speaking. So in the second half of your cycle, progesterone should rise, should rise. Problem is for most women, it doesn't rise enough. 
it either kind of stays flat and might rise a little bit, but estrogen's still higher. And what needs to happen? And I, you, in the in my top program, so turning off period problems, there's tons of graphs. So you'd be able to see this better, and I can't obviously show you because it's a it's a podcast. But um, if you go on the program, you'll see it. But what should happen is you kind of like got these like curves, like these waves that go on with your hormones throughout your cycle, right? So estrogen should rise in the second in the first half of your cycle, sorry, and then progesterone should rise even higher than the estrogen in the second half of your cycle. So progesterone needs to rise an absolute butt fuck ton. But for most of us, it seriously doesn't. We're lucky. We're lucky if it rises a little bit. And it's because every single time your body excretes cortisol. It taps into your progesterone stores. Progesterone is a precursor to the production of cortisol. So every time we're stressed, we're actually um, diminishing our progesterone stores, which is really bad. And that's what can cause this hormonal chaos. All right. So to reduce estrogen, one of the greatest things to reduce estrogen is to reduce inflammation because then your body and your gut can actually get rid of the um the estrogen more effectively. So things like dairy, dairy's got a compound, it's called A1 casein. Okay. And this A1 casein is really pro-inflammatory, which means that it causes inflammation in the body. So for some women and men, A1 casein is inflammatory because it stimulates the immune system to generate more inflammatory cytokines. And of course, more inflammation is going to result in more of a clogged liver and less of your body's ability to detoxify. All right, your body's going to become inflamed and that inflammation also increases the production of prostaglandins, which are um, compounds in the lining of your uterus that contract and dilate all right. And that's what actually causes your period pain. So the more prostaglandins you have, and we all have a normal amount of them, but the more you have is the more period pain you have. So for period pain, especially, you really, really want to be reducing inflammation and for every other period issue, basically, because inflammation really is the root cause of basically all disease, right? And let's, let's look at some things. What causes inflammation? Dairy, gluten, too much sugar, vegetable oil, a lot of stress, all of those things are going too many, like, you know, um, prescription drugs, not enough sleep, um, too much caffeine because that causes stress, alcohol, all of that. I mean, and I'm not saying you can never have alcohol or something. I'm just saying something to monitor um, because even I know, for example, um, I don't drink that much, but over the past couple of months around the silly season and like Christmas and New Year's and whatever, and just like the beginning of summer, oh my God, I was going out like every weekend and I was drinking. And for the first time in a long time, I actually got a little bit of period pain. Um, I got quite a bit of ovarian pain, um, ovulation pain as well, which which is totally normal. If you feel a bit of pain or ovulation, um, you you shouldn't feel much, but you can sometimes just feel a tiny little twinge, which is the egg being released. But if you're getting a lot of period, a lot of ovulation pain, that again is excess estrogen. All right, and I eat so cleanly, but cleanly is that a word I don't know but the obviously me having too much alcohol actually has a really big impact on my body which I kind of know after the way I feel when I go out drinking um but then just by being able to see how it's affecting my cycle has been really interesting um so even like right now um I just ovulated a couple days ago and um my boobs were so effing sore like I could not walk around without them being strapped in so tightly. Like I could, I could, like I couldn't sleep on my stomach. They were so sore. And I was like, wow, 
just from the alcohol. This has affected my body's ability to detoxify estrogen um, effectively. And clearly I'm not actually flushing out the estrogen that I should be, which was really interesting for me. Um, because I haven't actually noticed that before. So for drink, so drinking for me, was like, a, it's, you know, I need to be, I need to be quite careful about that. So for acne and just for general inflammation, you want to be reducing that cow's dairy. So cow's dairy has got that A1 casein. Cow's dairy, um, can also, uh, eliminating cow's dairy will reduce inflammation and it will reduce insulin growth factor one, which is really great as well if you have um, insulin-resistant PCOS. And I will do an episode going through all the different types of PCOS, but if you're already um, in my top program, it's all in there as well. Um, so even, um, there was a study in 2005, a nurse's health study, and it showed that women who drink less milk are less likely to suffer acne. So if you haven't cut out dairy yet and you suffer from really bad hormonal acne, that would be absolutely the first thing to go for. Um, even just looking at, um, foods that, um, turn to sugar, or like even sugar, right? Sugar and foods that turn to sugar um, can also affect the production of acne and the production of too much sebum because what happens is it increases your blood sugar, right? And that increase increases insulin. And when insulin increases, it also increases excess sebum and androgens and androgens are male hormones and that's going to equal acne, all right? So there's a couple of different pathways there with, um, with dairy or sugar. Zinc is another really good one, actually, while I'm talking about acne. Zinc is a really good supplement um, or really good, you know, mineral to be having um, found in lamb, especially. Um, and that will help reduce um, keratin and therefore keep your pores open. So zinc is really good for acne um, as well as a little like sad note. And then jumping on to gluten. Um, and again, guys, I'm going to say this again with all these things, it doesn't mean every single day you can't even like look at these foods or whatever. We don't need to go that a wall, but this is just education for you to know. Gluten is one of those things that I absolutely do not eat ever, 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 because I'm actually so gluten intolerant to it that I just like don't even want to have to go through that pain because it's just like that disgusting. Um, but if you haven't cut out gluten, that's another really big one for any PMS issues, any PCOS, endo, heavy periods, pain, bloating, all that stuff. So especially if you have a gluten intolerance. Now, side note, I won't get too into it. I'll do another episode um, that uh, no human can actually digest the gluten found in today. It is so stripped of nutrients. It is so processed, even the quote unquote not processed gluten. The crops that are being grown, our environment is so incredibly different to the way it was um, when our ancestors were around. So gluten is a no-no. Um, what happens if you're eating too much gluten is it's going to increase that excess estrogen, which is going to block ovulation, okay, because too much estrogen can block ovulation. And if you're not ovulating, if you're not ovulating, you're not going to then um, increase your progesterone in the second half of your cycle because after you ovulate, after that egg is released, a corpus luteum is formed. And this is hard for you guys to probably understand without a picture. So this is why my program's really good. But if you just Google um, like ovulation cycle, you'll see it. That corpus luteum is then formed and it's sitting in the ovary. It's just chilling there. And that is what releases the progesterone, which has 
Progesterone counterbalances the effect of estrogen, okay? So um, estrogen, for example, makes you um, super, super energized and whatever. And then progesterone's got an anti-anxiety, more like chill out effect, uh, antidepressant effect. So the two of them just counterbalance each other. And if you aren't ovulating, you're not going to be getting access to that juicy progesterone and progesterone's epic. And if you're not getting access to that, then you are going to be having a lot of period issues, a lot of mood issues, irritability, mood swings, um, heavy periods, all that jazz. Um, studies have also confirmed that gluten intolerance is also linked to amenorrhea. Now, amenorrhea is when you haven't had your period for a long amount of time. Um, and one thing to look at is obviously if you haven't had a period, gluten intolerances and food intolerances, but also looking at your adrenal function, your HPA axis function, whether you've got enough nutrients to even have a period, whether you have enough body fat and your stress and all that stuff. Um the other thing that gluten intolerances have been linked to is infertility and it has been linked to diminished ovarian reserve, all right? So all of those things, another reason why we want to get rid of that inflammatory gluten, not great for our body. Our body does not like it. The next thing is sugar, which you guys are probably all pretty aware about. Sugar is another thing that's super inflammatory to our bodies. It plays a really big role for any of the girls that have, um, or women I should say, that suffer from insulin-resistant PCOS. Sugar is also stressful for our bodies, right? We often forget that food is a stressor. We're our, if we are pumping our bodies full of a ton of food, we're eating all the time, and we're throwing in foods that our body doesn't love, that's also playing, placing stress on our body. Sugar is going to mean that your liver cannot metabolize the estrogen as well and detoxify, and it's also going to stuff up your gut microbiome. And your gut microbiome is really important for effective um, detoxification of your estrogen. So that's all where your estrogen receptors lie. And if your body, if your gut microbiome is not top notch, that's also going to be affecting things. So getting rid of sugar is really important. I'll do a whole episode on sugar, but that's just touching on that for now. Vegetable oil will also throw in there and I'm definitely going to be doing like 20 episodes of vegetable oil because there is so much to talk about with it and it is so freaking toxic. It is so inflammatory for your body. I cannot even stress it enough. Just trust me on that one, girlfriend. Just get rid of that for reducing inflammation. Um, let's quickly touch on stress. Stress is such a big one that I've noticed. I've noticed so many clients that are doing everything Nutritionally, they're eating the right foods, they're exercising, all that stuff, but their stress levels are through the effing roof. Now, stress can come in any forms. It can come as too much caffeine, it can come as too much exercise, the wrong exercise, it can come as lack of sleep, it can come as the food you're eating, or it can come as general stress in your life. It can come as emotional stress, subconscious stress, and that's why I'm super passionate about the subconscious work that I do and that emotional stuff because that plays a really, really big role in your hormones and your cycle. So let's, ha let's take a look at your stress in your life, right? Are you having too much caffeine? If you are waking up and having a coffee and then you're having a coffee in the afternoon and blah, 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 you're having lots of caffeine, that is stressful on your body. So technically the coffee itself does not cause PMS. What it actually is, is the cortisol. So when your cortisol is raised, okay, that stress is putting obviously stress on the body and it's depleting your progesterone stores like I was saying before. So caffeine depletes progesterone stores, which is going to put you put you in an um, excess of estrogen, okay? Um, 
and get your adrenals just pumping out way too much adrenaline, right? Which is going to disrupt your HPA axis. It's going to tell your body that you are in an unsafe environment. And therefore, that is going to possibly stop ovulation or just put a pause on it until it feels safe again. And that actually happened to me this cycle. So it's just, we just had Christmas and New Year's. And I've got a very long cycle this time, which I haven't had in ages. But I know it's just from the stress of Christmas and drinking too much and whatnot, right? So my body, obviously, over this time, has felt like I'm not 100% safe. So therefore, I'm not going to ovulate yet. Because according to your body and your brain, its number one priority is to keep you safe, right? And to keep your future baby safe. So if it deems that you are in an unsafe environment, clearly sex is not the priority. So it's going to shut down ovulation. But also more importantly is it doesn't want you having a baby because you are not in in a situation where you can survive with being pregnant and growing a human, and it doesn't know whether the baby would survive. So therefore, it pauses ovulation as a protective mechanism, and it will then play again when it feels safe. So my body clearly paused on ovulation, and then once shit settled down and I got back into my zone, I was meditating more and not drinking, you know, on the weekends or whatever, um, and, and over Christmas and stuff and the New Year's, then it was like, cool, Monica's safe again, we can ovulate now. She can have a baby. Not not quite yet, but I do love babies. Um, okay, so if you're constantly stressed, it's going to put a stop on ovulation, which is meaning that your body isn't flushing out the estrogen because when you ovulate, right, right before you ovulate, you get a massive drop-off of estrogen, which is important. But if you're not having that drop-off of estrogen, that's where the mood swings come in. That is where the fluid retention comes in and the bloating and all of that stuff. So you want to be making sure that you're having the drop of the estrogen combined with the massive increase in progesterone. If you don't get that massive increase in progesterone after you've dropped off with your estrogen, you aren't going to be having that anti-anxiety, antidepressant effect. And that anti-anxiety, antidepressant effect from that hormone is what keeps you cool, calm, and collected. So when I'm in my luteal phase, I have like the longest ass, like the biggest to-do list. And I'm like, oh, it's all chill. Doesn't matter. Everything will get done because I'm chill. I'm cool as a cucumber. I'm just like, you know, roaming around. I'm like, oh, it's all fine. And I'm cool as I'm, I'm really laid back. Okay. If you're not getting that, then hello, you need to work on your progesterone. It's really important. Um, one of the signs that you actually have enough progesterone is... Um, hunger, not cravings, hunger. Okay. So the difference between the two is like hunger is, for example, you've eaten lunch one hour later, your stomach is growling and you're like, I don't want to eat. I've just eaten lunch. But yet if you don't eat, you will die of starvation. That's hunger, right? That is because um, progesterone also increases your metabolism. So you burn through the food a lot faster. Okay, so it's totally fine in this phase of your cycle to eat more food if you are hungrier. Cravings, however, cravings mean that your brain is looking for a serotonin boost because you don't have enough progesterone to keep it calm. And it's craving that serotonin boost from the estrogen because estrogen boosts your serotonin. It's craving that serotonin boost. So it gives you food cravings because it knows that if you eat sugar or carbs, you're going to feel happy for a second. Okay, so if you are having cravings, you don't have enough progesterone and you've had too much estrogen. If you have hunger, that's great. This could be a sign that you have enough progesterone, okay, because that's totally normal. Um, 
The next thing I want to talk about, so that's sort of with caffeine or whatever. I don't want you guys having too much caffeine if you've got really bad PMS, okay? That, that, that's not going to help. Swap it for like one of my cacao elixirs in the morning. It's way better. Um, the next thing is exercise. Exercise is fantastic and it can lower your stress. However, it can also increase your stress. So when you are exercising, your body is stressing, Okay, and a little bit of stress is good stress, right? But if you've had a big day at work combined with lack of sleep and not great food, if you go and push yourself at the gym, all that's happening is your body is um, releasing adrenaline from your adrenals and you're just depleting your adrenals, which is going to worsen your period. Okay, more often than not, I see my clients that are doing everything right and they're doing these crazy hit sessions, okay, which just drives me nuts. And that's why their body can't give them a hormonal balance because when it's going to the gym and you're going on this crazy fucking hit session, your brain thinks you're running from a fucking tiger and that you're about to die. Isn't it funny how when you're in those classes and you feel like you're dying, it's kind of funny how you feel like you're dying because I'm like, dude, you're literally like your brain thinks you're dying, okay? It's so stressed out. So that is also not helping the equation. If you want to do exercise and you're trying to also recover from hormonal imbalances, going for walks, doing yoga, Pilates, that sort of stuff, way better. I'm not saying that you can't exercise, you can't break a sweat. I'm just saying going to a HIIT class or running for an hour is not going to be helping. You've got to remember that our brain is constantly looking for danger as a way to protect us, all right? So if you go to a hit class that is perceiving danger and it's going to cause stress on your body, which will likely stop ovulation, possibly even stop your cycle or at least cause hormonal havoc. Not great for anybody, anybody with endo, bad period pain, really heavy bleeding, all that jazz, okay? Um, lack of sleep much the same, right? Lack of sleep, you'll even notice you're craving then more of the bad food. And of course, more of the bad food is going to affect your insulin growth factor. It's going to put more stress on the body. It's going to disrupt your gut more. It's going to, you know, all that jazz, um, you know, reduce liver function. And that isn't going to help you with your hormones either. Um, and that goes the same with food. So like, even though sometimes, like, even though you might be eating really, really healthy food, if you're eating all the time, like every two hours, every time you eat, you're putting a stress on the body. So if you're a chronic snacker, you're not allowing your body to actually have time to stop, digest and reset and just heal. You're constantly making it have to pump through food and deal with stuff. That's constantly stressing the body out. So if you can transition to be having three meals a day, fantastic. But also with the food, too much intermittent fasting can also cause hormonal havoc because it's a big stress on the body. Very often, you will notice that if you do intermittent fasting, like if I do it, yes, you get this giant burst of energy, but if you really pay attention to your body, the burst of energy is coming from the, your chest, like in, in, your, um, in between your boobs, coming from your chest. That's where your adrenals are. It's not so much a quote-unquote burst of energy. It's more your adrenals, adrenal, adrenals, um, adrenals are getting super fired up, okay, and it's adrenaline that's pumping you through. Now, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes when I have an absolute buttfuck ton of work and I'm like ovulating or I'm in the first half of my cycle so my body can deal with it, I will be like, you know what? I'm going to fast until 11 a.m. or something. I'm going to have a bulletproof elixir. I'm just, I'll am just i just have an elixir with some MCT oil because um, 
that it will like not, I won't be hungry, but it will mean that I can just pump through a pile of work. And it works. It really does work. Um, I get more work done. My brain is on fire. Um, I'm like a fucking powerhouse Wonder Woman, but I don't do it all the time. And then that night I have sweet potato for dinner because the carbs are going to help offset all the cortisol that my body was making throughout that day. So it's just about managing your symptoms and sorry, not your symptoms, just managing what you do and working with your body where you can. Of course, there's times where you need the coffee, where you need to do a hit hit session just to like get you revved up, where you need to fast, whatever, that's fine. And the thing I say with fasting is, you know, sometimes when you eat like too much cauliflower or something and you're just feeling a little bit heavy and bloated, even if it's really healthy food, you might've just been eating too much of it lately. Then that's fine. Just do you know, the next morning, just for like one day, okay, just do like a bit of a fast until say 12 or 1, okay, and just have green tea, bone broth, that sort of stuff to keep you going, that's fine, but don't do it at the same time as stressing out about work or like having to sit in traffic or whatever. Do Do it on the weekend or something where things are a little bit more chill. And yes, doing that intermittent fasting, although it places a bit of a stress on the body, trying to do it when you are also not stressed externally means that you can sort of cope a little bit better. And that fasting process it does help the body in terms of like bloating and stuff. So if you're feeling a little bit bloated from eating too much food, even if it's really healthy food, doing a little bit of a fast on the weekend can be really great. Um, because if you're feeling bloated and heavy, that is stressing the body out. Okay. So you got to make sure that you're looking at everything, um, in terms of like, is this stressing my body out? Because that is playing a big, big role in what your hormones, um, in what your hormones are doing. And then a couple other things I want to mention is what is your thyroid doing? So your thyroid, if you, um, if your thyroid's a bit sluggish from like stress, from environmental toxins, from the pill, that is going to stimulate prolactin production, which is going to suppress ovulation. And as I've already talked about, if you're not ovulating, you're not getting that that um, production of progesterone from the corpus luteum. And if you're not ovulating, you're not actually allowing your body to um, excrete the estrogen either from the buildup um, before ovulation because your your estrogen rises before you ovulate, okay? And you want to let that estrogen drop off. But if you don't ovulate, the estrogen is just going to be chilling there and your body's going to reabsorb it, which you do not want. Also, if you have a low-functioning thyroid, it's going to worsen your insulin resistance, which is going to worsen inflammation. It's going to worsen acne and it's going to be more likely that you could develop insulin-resistant PCOS or it's not going to help your insulin-resistant PCOS if you have it. Okay, a low thyroids also can be a cause of heavy bleeding. That's a really important one to link the two together. Um, and something really important that I love looking with at my clients. A lot of women have a little bit of a sluggish thyroid these days because of stress and environmental toxins and stuff. So doing things that are supportive to your thyroid is fantastic. So making sure that you are you have stress reduction in place, you're getting enough sleep you're having iodized sea salts, you're having selenium, you're eating, um, you know, enough lamb that's got really great source of zinc in it, all of those little things. Um, another thing with, uh, low thyroid is that it impairs healthy metabolism of estrogen. So again, your estrogen is not going to be flushed out of your body, which is not going to be helping all of your period problems. And it also robs your ovaries of the cellular energy they need to ovulate, which will also cause low low progesterone. So I'm sure you guys are seeing a bit of a trend here that generally speaking, you're best to look at too much estrogen and low progesterone as um, a bit of a cause for your period problems. However, in saying that, 
emotional blockages are such a big cause of your period issues, right? Our period, it needs us to feel safe in order for it to come. If we do not feel safe, we are not going to be bleeding. We are not going to be ovulating. That's why it is so important with my work that I that I am looking at a subconscious level with my clients. What is their subconscious telling their body? How is this affecting their period? Things like the placebo, right? If your mom had a really horrendous period, it's almost guaranteed that you are telling yourself, oh, well, because my mom had a bad period, this means I'm going to get a bad period too. No, it absolutely does not mean that. But if you tell yourself, if you tell your brain, oh, mom had a bad period, so I'm going to have a bad period, guess what you're going to get? A bad bloody period. Oh, that's a good choice of words, Monica. The thing about visualization and your subconscious mind is that your subconscious mind does not know the difference between what is real and what is fake. So if you are telling your subconscious, you know, oh, I'm going to have a bad period, I'm going to have a bad period, or I'm going to get endometriosis, or my mom had painful periods because I had painful periods, your subconscious mind is going to search for every single reason to affirm that to you. Every reason. There's something called the reticulator activating system in our brain, right? Which means that it is going to hunt out for reasons to validate the things that you are telling it. For example, this is one example, more like a physical example. You know, when like you get a new car and then all you see is that car everywhere. That's because now your brain has been made aware of something that it's going to, when it's scanning its environment, it's going to pick up those things that are affirming what you've been exposed to. Okay, so this is why your brain stuff is such a key element in the way you your period shows up. And this also relates to girls that have a bad relationship with their period. If you, for example, hate your period, hate your cycle, and this is very often the case for girls with endo, right? Which is fair enough because every time their period comes, they are in chronic pain. They can't get out of bed, blah, blah, blah. So of course, they hate having their period. But the thing is, the less you look at your period, the less love you give it, the more revengeance it's going to come with. It is going to be angry. It is going to be strong because you aren't giving it the intention it wants. So if you can actually divert more love to your period, it will do wonders for your cycle as well. If you can have more loving energy towards it and not think about it so negatively, it's also going to impact the way it shows up. The body is the subconscious mind, okay? So basically that's meaning your body is exactly what your subconscious mind is telling it. If your subconscious mind is telling is telling your body or whatever that you are fat, guess what's going to happen? You are fat. It is crazy the research that's been done with the impact of how your brain then relates to like the food that you're eating or, you know, the studies that have been done to show that the way you talk to water changes the molecular structure. I mean, how fucked is that in a great way? That is amazing. So if you're talking to your body in a loving way, it is literally going to change the structure and the way that your body shows up. If you are telling yourself, I am losing weight, I am losing weight, or or, I am slim and I am lean, your body is going to go, oh, okay, we are slim and we are lean. Great. That's what we are. If If you are telling your body, you know, I have a really beautiful smooth sailing period, your body's going to go, oh, we have a smooth sailing period. Cool. Better hold on to that. Better affirm that to Monica. Okay, so the placebo component is really, really important. Do not fall into the trap of believing that there is nothing that can be done about your period, that, oh, I have endo, that's it, all I can do is be on the pill. That is not it. That is not all that can be done. 
I have some amazing visualizations that I that I give with my I give to my period coaching clients of just visualizing, especially the ones with endo, visualizing any scar tissue from you know operations or any endometrial lesions or any fibroids or anything that people have have it sitting in their uterus that shouldn't be there, visualizing it being cleaned out. And I have actually these meditations in my turning off your period problems program. Um, and just being cleaned out and being washed away. Because if your brain can imagine that, like I said before, it doesn't know the difference between real and fake. And this is why meditation and visualization and all that jazz is so vital if you want to be successful and stuff. Because if remember, like I said, with the reticular activating system, if you are constantly seeing in meditation, like your future, your brain is going to hunt out for all of the things that also line up with that. Okay, visualization, manifestation, getting to that vibration, changing your thought patterns is so incredibly healing for your mind, body, and soul, and period, which is obviously part of your all three. Um, so make sure that you're taking a really clear look at that. And even if you are working on like your acne or your thyroid issues, also combine it with working on some um, subconscious stuff, changing the wiring in your brain, telling your body, I have a well-functioning thyroid, telling your body, I have clear skin. Also doing that to help the process is really, really important because very often we fall into the downward spiral of something's wrong with me, right? We keep telling myself, oh my God, why does my skin keep breaking out? And all your brain hears is skin breaking out. It doesn't hear the part of that, 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 affirmation that you said to yourself it doesn't hear the part where you don't want it to break out it just hears the oh we're breaking out so it's going to keep doing it because your body is your subconscious mind anyway that's a little riff on periods and some of the um the reasons behind your period problems I'm gonna break up um and each of those different things into longer episodes so I'll talk about acne I'll talk about bloating all that stuff future um in the future so make sure that you are like subscribed and all all the things like that make sure your notifications on um and that you're following me on the ch- my channels if you want so that you find out when my next podcast is up so that you can listen to it and keep learning um because I'm not holding back guys I'm giving you all the info and um, I'll quickly mention this is I'm coming to New York and LA end of Feb, beginning of March. So if you live in LA or New York or nearby, I'm going to be doing some talks in both of those cities. So make sure that you um, actually, I'm just going to put the links in the description below. Um, so please check out those links or send me a message on Instagram if you're nearby, um, nearby those cities. If I can make sure that I can send you the link to my events because I am talking um in New York and LA and I would love to meet you and I'm also going to be offering some in coaching um sexy as fuck breakthrough days um which is basically just like we do a whole pile of like we do like six hours of coaching we've got lunch together all that jazz in a really amazing space rosé included um hashtag balance actually it's not about balance it's about integration I say um because what even is balance uh, integration. So we'll be doing all of that. I'll be doing that in New York and LA. So if you're in either of those cities, actually, I have to go to Lake Tahoe as well. So if you're in Lake Tahoe, if you're in LA, or if you're in New York City and you would like to spend a day with me or do some coaching, please send me a message. Um, and that way we can team something up. Anyway, send me through your uh, uh, podcast requests if you've got any. And I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. 
Well, thank you again for tuning in and listening to my podcast. I hope that you got lots of nuggets out of today's show. Uh, Please, 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 I would be really grateful if you could leave me a review so that more women can find the podcast and therefore I can help more women understand their period and fix their period problems. Because after all, it's a much nicer life to live when we actually love our cycle because we do have to um, keep up with it every single month. Also, if you have any friends or loved ones that you think would enjoy my podcast, I'd be super grateful if you could send it to them as well, just to share the love. And that's it for now. So I will catch you on the flip side. Have an amazing day or night wherever you are.